Praise the Lamb of God, this is D.K. Grooms with Rock Solid Truth, and I am so glad to be in the presence of the Lord today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can we do that? Praise the Lamb. Hello, church. Give him hands and clap of praise. Amen. Glory to God. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to welcome all of my friends throughout the entire world. Amen. My friends in Liberia, Indian, Kenya, India. Amen. Pakistan. Praise the Lamb of God. We are so thankful for what the Lord is doing in the midst of his people. Praise the Lamb of God. I pray that you're having a good morning. Amen. The Word of God says in Psalms, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed and I will sing praises and magnify and glorify your name. I pray that that is where you are this morning. Hallelujah. Welcome to the Rock Solid Truth broadcast. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, if you don't have them, Run and get them very quickly, amen, so that you can read scriptures along with this. Praise the Lamb of God. Turn to Psalms 105, verse 45. Psalms 105, verse 45. Praise the Lamb of God. That they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Father, thank you today. I stand before you, Holy Spirit, and I humble myself before you. What a privilege it is, Lord, to stand in this platform. I can do nothing of myself apart from you. Jesus says, I only do what the Father does. And Holy Spirit, I need you to move before me. I need you to anoint ears and to anoint eyes that they may receive the very word that I'm going to give forth today, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords shall receive glory, and you shall receive the word. Those that are watching shall receive the word, and it shall be magnified and planted in their heart. We'll give you all the praise and all of the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lamb of God. I am continuing in our series. Law, the laws of nature and the kingdom of God. And we're into part seven in our series. And I'm using for a subtitle today, Faith as a Seed. And this is our second lesson. Amen. The word of God compares faith to a seed. And the seed that it compares it to is the mustard seed. Look at Luke chapter 17 verse 6. Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Luke 17, verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this cyclamen tree, Be thou plucked up by the wood, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. That's what the word of God says concerning faith as a grain of mustard seed, the smallest seed on planet Earth. So a seed has to be sown. And faith, compared to a mustard seed, has to be sown as well. A seed has to be sown, and faith, as a mustard seed, has to be sown as well. And when a faith seed is sown, that seed has the potential to bring forth a huge, miraculous harvest in the kingdom of God. Now look at Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Praise the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. God is so good. He is so, so good. Praise the Lamb of God. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat food of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now, there's a couple things that I want to bring to your attention, amen, and these are important things. And you'd, be, do, you'd do well to write down these things so that you don't forget them. In the natural, 
The fig tree produces leaves after the figs are present. Or in other words, if you see a fig tree and you see leaves on the tree, you can assume that that tree has fig, figs. They were just coming out of Bethany. Jesus was hungry. And being hungry, he saw this fig tree afar off, and it had its leaves, so he assumed that figs were on that tree. When Jesus saw the fig tree and it had no figs, he cursed it and said, No man shall ever eat of you again, and the disciples heard it. The question that came to me was, why would Jesus curse the tree if it wasn't time for the figs yet? Why would Jesus curse the tree if the time for the figs wasn't yet? And that's exactly what the Word of God says. Amen. Why would he do that? Because the tree was barren. I'll say that again. The tree was barren. The tree produced the leaves, but not the fruit. The appearance of the tree was that it had fruit. It was an outward showing of that which was supposed to be real, but it wasn't real. It's barren. That word barren means sterile, unfruitful, empty. And as I begin to study that, trying to bring all of this into perception, I found out that the fig tree is a type and a shadow of Israel. Especially referring to the end times. Now, this fig tree had all of its splendor. Rich green foliage, looking the part, having the look of respectability, of uprightness, but it was all show. It was all show. The tree had the appearance of having something, and yet it didn't have nothing. Even the exterior showed that it had something. The outward presented itself as having something. But the true and the truth of it was is that it was barren. There was no fruit, and Jesus recognized that. That was the condition, symbolically, of Israel. Now watch, look at Mark chapter 11, verse 15, because we are continuing in our scripture here. And they came to Jerusalem. So Jesus has cursed the fig tree, and now they are on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel to the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be, be called all of nations the house of prayer, yet you have made it a den of thieves. Now grasp the hold of this, because this will give you an idea of the mindset of Jesus. Here all the priests have gathered. The money changers have gathered. And they're all in their splendid robes with all the appearance of religious devotion and external pomp and extravagance just like the fig tree. But these priests were also barren, empty, having nothing but their religion and their protocol and their status and their extravagance, making the people think that they had something. Oh. Yeah. And Jesus called them whited sepulchers, dead man bones. You see, when he looked at that fig tree, it flooded in him. The Word of God says that Jesus didn't do anything except he saw the Father do it. 
Now look at Mark chapter 11, verse 20. We're just continuing down. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember and saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Now I have brought to you literally and symbolically about the fig tree and about Israel. But because Jesus said have faith in God, there's also a lesson here concerning faith. It illustrates that you can learn by faith to this fig tree. The disciples heard him say it, curse the fig tree. One day later, as they're going by, they now see it. First they heard it. First they heard him say it. And now they see it. What Jesus did the day before when he cursed that fig tree was that he had sowed faith words. Faith seeds. Upon observation, as the disciples looked at that tree, nothing seemed to be happening to that tree. The leaves didn't seem to be affected. The branches didn't seem to be affected. On the outside, there seemed to be no change. But his faith seeds went to the root. Went to the root. The faith seeds went to the core of the problem. The barrenness. The emptiness. That which was sterile. The root. You see, we need to learn something here from this. Is that when we pray, we're always looking at the exterior to see if the prayer has any effect on that which we can see with our eyes. Yeah, that's Never understanding that we have to understand that our prayer sometimes and most of the time goes to the root of the problem. And it doesn't matter what you see or what you hear or what you think. Because you prayed and believed, and because you believed that you received, that prayer has went to the very essence of the problem of what you prayed for. Amen. We have to learn and believe and have this word that we don't like. Seed time, wait, 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 harvest time. With Jesus, his words were seed time, harvest time right now. That's the place that I want to come to, but right now, I have to believe in what the Word of God says, believing that when I pray and believe, I receive. And if I receive, then I can't allow doubt to come into my heart. How many people do I know that have said, you know what, Pastor, I really believed. I really believed when I prayed. But you know the problem is? You only believe to what you believe. What does that mean? You only believe to what you believe. In other words, you didn't have knowledge to go past what you believe into that which is, into the, the, the revelation and the knowledge of that which God knows. Wow. You didn't have that knowledge and revelation to go into that which believed. Beyond your belief. What does the Word of God say? Amen? That God wants you to comprehend His love to the breadth, length, depth, and height. Amen? And it says it goes far beyond 
your knowledge. Breath, length, depth, and height of his love, his agape love for you. Goes beyond your knowledge. And so the only way that you can grasp the breadth, length, depth, and height of his love is if it goes beyond your knowledge. And yes, you'll believe, but you've got to believe past your belief to where faith kicks in, to where faith becomes a reality, to where faith becomes revelation. Glory to God. We're going to have to believe that when we pray, here's what most people say, well, you know, I, I, I just I, I just guess that that didn't work. Just didn't work. I believe for my healing. I believe that this, this person would become well. I believed. I, I guess it just didn't work. Never understanding that your prayer went to the root. And it's working on the root. And there's no manifestation on the outside for now because it's dealing with the root. Glory yeah. to the Lamb of God. That, that pertains to your healing. That pertains to your prosperity. That can, pertains to your, your, your deliverance. That pertains to everything. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Are you getting this? Yep. Yeah. Mark 11, 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. I need to read that again. That is so powerful. Yeah. We gloss over this. We gloss over it. And we read it and we don't comprehend it. Just like we don't comprehend the love of God to the breadth, length, depth, and height. We don't comprehend it. We don't understand it. And because we don't understand it, guess what happens? The devil has the right to come and steal it. Wow. Because we don't understand it. For verily I say unto you, verily means truth, this is a truth that I'm telling you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to travel to Colorado and start speaking to the Rocky Mountains. That does not mean that. That whoever shall say to this mountain, your mountain is your problem, your troubles. Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. You see, the problem, the root, is where the problem's at. When you're looking at the trees, or when you're looking at the leaves, or when you're looking at the branches, you're not believing that your prayer went to the root. <clears throat> and Jesus says, have faith in God. A part of faith, watch this now, a part of faith is that you've got to say it. You've got to say it. That Jesus, as, as God created all of the earth, he had to say it. Right. right. He had to say it. When you say it, I mean, emulate God. Lord, this is what I pray, and it's good. Because you're good. It's good. Hallelujah. Have faith in God. Doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. Doesn't matter what the situation or the circumstance is. My prayer went to the root. The devil's not getting a free pass here. Praise the Lamb of God. My prayer, my prayer is the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman. 
Glory to God. Faith is a seed. You've got to sow it. You've got to sow it for your health. You've got to say it for your health. You've got to sow it for prosperity. You've got to say it for prosperity. You've got to plant a seed. God can't do anything until you plant the seed. If you want finances, what do you got to do? You've got to plant the seed for finances. If you want... Why? Because there's a law in place. And the law only multiplies seed of its own kind. Oh my goodness. Amen. Seed of its own kind. You can't plant an apple tree and expect to get plums. You've got to plant that which you want. Amen. Praise the Lamb of God. And you've got to speak it by faith, believing that when you speak it, the mountain is removed. Amen. And if the mountain is not removed, I mean, there's some things, amen, that I've been praying for years. And it's taken a long time. This is one of them. But I mean, it started out ugly. I mean, it's not beautiful now, but I'm telling you, we've come into this place where it's bearing fruit. Praise the Lamb of God. My goodness. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24. So if you want to sow a seed, how do you sow a seed? Let's just say that you want to sow a seed of love. What do you do? You sow a seed of love. Sow a seed of love with someone you don't even like. Hello. Sow a seed. Show the love of God. Because God loves them, whether you love them or not. God loves them. That's right. And He'll always love them. And nothing that can ever do is going to change that. Until the day that they die, He will love them. So if you're looking for love, sow a seed. If there's one thing that is taking place, amen, in Liberia, Kenya, Pakistan, India, love is being poured out. Why? Because of seeds being sown. You want gentleness? Sow a seed. That's a tough one for us, guys. Because we look at, gent we look at gentleness as a weakness. That's what we do. We look at it as a weakness. We look at crime as a weakness. And yet Jesus was more man than anyone, and he wept over Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't a weakness at all. We just perceive it to be a weakness because of the world that we live in and religion. Yeah. Be a man. Stand up like a man. Mm -hmm. And that's standing up like a man, amen. You'd be a lot better off being a woman. Now, I don't mean that in the gender. I'm talking about gentleness. and I'm talking about tenderness. That's something that we have to cultivate in the lives of us men. Yeah. Praise the Lamb of God. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Oh, by the way, how do you sow a seed of love and all that? By words. By words. I was noticing something the other day. And I'm just going to throw this in. It's free. Amen. So I'm just going to throw it in. Amen. The word of God says that Christ is the head of the church. Man is the head of the woman. And then woman goes around and it's just a circle. And I begin to look at that head. And I begin to think, I said, I'm thinking of something, Lord, something doesn't sit right. Because you're the head of the church 
And yet you don't control the man. And yet the man is the head of the wife and he wants to control the woman. He wants to be in charge of the woman. He wants to tell the woman whether they can this or whether they can do that. And Christ isn't like that at all towards the man or towards the church. There's a problem. And the reason that there's a problem is because of religion. So what does Jesus do towards the man? He nurtures him. What is man supposed to do towards the woman? He's supposed to nurture her. Amen. To nurture her. Because when you nurture her, her, she'll call around, she'll come back and call you Lord. Amen. She'll trust you. She'll believe in you. She'll love you. She will sacrifice herself for you yes. because you have nurtured her. Amen. The same as God nurtured you. Amen. Amen. I just give you something powerful. Yeah. Amen. Powerful. And when you don't nurture the woman, she begins to think on her own. She begins to question your decision. She begins to question what you're doing. She begins to question whether or not it's going to benefit her. But when you nurture the one that God has given to you, she now comes alongside of you because that's where God took her out of was the rib. And she comes out alongside of you. She becomes alongside of you now as one. All free. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. If I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, wow, or ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The law of faith. Ask, and shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For everyone that asks, receiveth. And he that seeks, finds. And he that knocks, the door shall be opened unto him. Whatever things you desire, notice this now. Not only about the things that you have needs of, because your Father already knows the things that you have need of, but when you desire the things of Almighty God and the things that Almighty God had, he says, if you believe, yeah. you'll have it. Yeah. Now look at the next verse. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you for your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That brings me back to my opening statement. Unforgiveness in your life affects and hinders many things in your life. If you've got a grudge, bitterness, resentment, it'll keep you from walking in the best that God has for you. Turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Hallelujah. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou not that we perish? Now, 
Here's something that's pretty powerful. The word of God is very clear. Very clear. Before they ever got in the boat, he said, let's go to the other side. Before they ever got in the boat, let's go to the other side. He spoke it, he said it, so it has to be the will of God. Say it again. He spoke it, he said it, has to be the will of God. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took, they took him all, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. I said that because I wanted to emphasize this again. What is it that's going to change the other side? What is it that's going to change going to the other side? Wind? Storm? The boat being filled with water? The waves beating into the ship? What's going to change going to the other side? You know, we can condemn the disciples, but what about us? Let's bring it into 2021. Let's bring it into the reality of where we're at. Let's go to the other side. What does that mean? It means resting in his word. That's what it means. Resting in his word. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Are you anxious? Because your father already knows what you have need of. Have you heard the words of the Lord? Let's go to the other side. What's the other side? It's the faith side. It applied to the disciples and it applies to us. And we're just like the disciples. A storm comes. The winds come. The waves come, and we don't say it maybe, but we think it. Don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we perish? <coughs> How do I know that you're there? Because you talk about the price of gas going up. You talk about how, how much groceries are. You talk about the price of utilities. You talk about all of these things, never realizing that you're in the midst of the sea, wondering whether or not you're going to get to the other side. I'm preaching good. Yeah, yeah. And I know I'm preaching good. That's right. You see, if those disciples would have been able to say, well, I see a storm's coming and it's almost here. You know what? I'm a little tired. I think I'm just going to go take a nap next to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there had to be somebody there by the name of Thomas that said, yeah, but the boat's leaking and it's getting full of water. And if someone would have said, doesn't matter. He told us we're going to the other side. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go lay down next to Jesus. And if they would have done that, they would have never, ever, ever asked the question, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Never ask the question. Because they've been sleeping. Dreaming. About what? The other side. If they wouldn't have indulged in fear. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fear, Pastor. Yeah, you fear. Or you wouldn't be talking about gas prices. 
You wouldn't be talking about utilities. You wouldn't be talking about all of these other things. Yeah, you fear. It's just that you put it in another language, but fear is behind all of it. Well, I just want to know about things that are taking place. Fear. Because what you need to be centered in on is what it's going to be, not what it is. About where you are at with the Lord, not what it is. You don't understand the storm I'm going through. It doesn't matter the storm that you're going through. Amen. Have you heard him? Go to the other side. I want to tell you, before you ever get this, I get it first. I'm the one that gets it. I'm the one. And many times I've got the same dumb look on my face as you got that same dumb look on your face. Yes. Hallelujah. You're just out of tune. You're out of reality. Yeah. The faith side. Resting in the confidence of what he said. Resting in the confidence of what he has already said. Amen. Yeah, you'll have trouble. What are you going to do with that trouble? You're going to ponder on it, meditate on it, or are you going to seek his peace and walk in his peace and watching your mouth so that you don't undo what he's already done in your life. I'm talking about faith-filled words. Because what does faith do? It calms a storm. Is that what faith does? Yes. It calms a storm. And if there's calm, then what else is present? Peace. Peace. Absolutely. Peace. And if there's calm and if there's peace, why do we want to continue talking about the storm? Oh my goodness. All of a sudden the light comes on. Why do we want to continue talking about the storm? Verse 39. Jesus, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now I don't have this in my notes, but I think the next verse says, and they were exceedingly fearful because what manner of a man speaks to the sea and to the winds and it obeys them? Yeah. So they went from <laughs> they went from fear to exceedingly fear. Wow, they really responded wonderfully. Wow. From fear to exceedingly fear. My goodness. And what does Jesus say to them? Have faith in God. Amen. Same thing he said to them about the fig tree. Have faith in God. Got to read it again. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, those things that he saith, 
shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have aught against anyone, pray that your Father, which is also in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. I'm going to say something. Jesus never said that all your prayers would be answered. But he did say, whatsoever you say, you'll get. I'll say it again. That'll come back to you later. He didn't say that everything that you pray, you're going to get. But he did say this, whatever you say, you're going to get. Right. Whatever comes out of your mouth, you're going to get. Whether it's negative, positive, you're going to get it. Four things that I want to bring to you this morning before we close concerning your faith and sowing faith seeds. And when you have this knowledge and understanding, it's going to help you and to keep you from your faith being hindered in what God wants to do. Number one. Speak to your mountain instead of letting your mountain speak to you. Speak to your mountain instead of letting your mountain speak to you. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care whether you're operating in a lot of faith or you're struggling operating in a little faith. The reality is this. We all have troubles. We all have problems. And we all have mountains to contend with. That's the reality. And you need to understand something about your mountain. Your mountain is always going to speak to you so that you will agree with your mountain to keep you in the very place that he wants you to stay in. What? I'll say it again. Because I'm getting that wide-eyed deer in the headlight rope. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you need to understand that your mountains are always going to speak to you. So that you will agree with them. What does that mean? Your mountain will say... You can't do it. And you'll say, I don't think I can. Oh, wow. Your mountain will say, Amen. I don't think you'll ever be prosperous. I mean, this has been going on for a long, 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 long time. And say, you know what? Maybe. You ain't never going to be healed. That's your mountain speaking to you. This, this word thing, Psalms 107 verse 20, that he sent his word to us. You don't know, man. You know, I, I, I need to go see my doctor. That's your mountain speaking to you. Because your mountain wants to keep you in the very place where it can speak to you and you'll agree with it. Your problems will speak to you. Your bank account will speak to you. And your bank account will speak to you, wanting you to agree with it. Glory to God. Amen. Well, you know, I, I prayed for, I prayed for this person, and I really believed, but they died anyway. I guess maybe it doesn't work. I guess maybe God only heals what he, who he wants to heal, touches who he wants to heal. It can't be a universal thing because that's going on in a lot of churches today. That God picks and chooses who he's going to touch and who he's going to bless. You see, you've got to learn that when the mountain speaks, you rebuke it. 
You don't allow him to speak to you. Amen. You don't allow him to speak to you. You don't allow the wind and the waves to speak to you. You don't allow situations and circumstances to speak to you. You don't allow the economy to speak to you. You don't allow things that God has promised and it be contrary. What does the word of God say about the winds and the waves? They were contrary to Peter walking on the water. They didn't want Peter walking on the water. They were contrary. This economy is contrary. This pandemic is the contrary. Everything in this world. Why? Because this world is a world that is cursed. Amen. It's not a blessed earth. It's a cursed earth. It's been cursed since Adam and Eve came out of the garden. And the weeds that were in the ground started sprouting up. It's a cursed world. And everything that the Word of God wants you to have is the world and your body and even your mind is contrary to it. You've got to stop allowing people. You've got to stop allowing mountains. And you've got to stop allowing this earth and our situations and circumstances to speak to you. Because you've got the truth. And if you allow, if you allow Goliath standing on a hill, if you allow him to speak to you and tell you what he's going to do to you, then the same thing will happen to you that happened to them. They fearful, they were fearful until one shepherd boy stood up and said, no, you come to me with your sword and your staves. I come to you with the Lord of hosts. You know what that Lord of hosts means? That means that I come to you with the armies of the living God. And I will kill you today. Shadrach, me second of Indigo. Some busybody... Some talebearer goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, Hey, you know that little Jew, those, those Jews over there? You know what? They didn't bow down to your golden idol. I heard them. Oh, how many people have I run into that say, I heard him. I heard that church. I heard that man. I heard it. This guy Daniel, who won't bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sorry. Shadrach, Meshach. They won't bow down. They're praying. So the king says, bring him here. Bring me Peter. The king is mad. He is angry. How dare you defy? Haven't you bowed down? Will you bow down and I'll save your life? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, My God is able to deliver me and deliver us from this fiery furnace. Okay, let me be careful about this because I just want to tell you something. That if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, we will not bow down to your golden image. We will not bow down to your mandates. We will not bow down. If you don't, have you ever thought about that? Paul and Silas in a Macedonian prison. If you're not delivered, are you going to sing anyway? If you're not delivered, are you going to sing anyway? 
The disciples, every one of them went into martyrdom. Amen. If God doesn't deliver you, are you going to praise His name anyway? If you're going into this, this, this hot tub of oil, are you going to praise Him anyway? If you're hung upside down, are you going to praise Him anyway? Are you going to praise Him anyway? If He don't deliver you, Because they wouldn't allow their mountain to speak to them. They spoke to the mountain. Praise the Lamb of God. Number two. I'm just seeing if I've got enough time to finish this out, amen? amen. I got all kinds of time. Number two. You can have what you say instead of saying what you have. You can have what you say instead of saying what you have. Oh. We're experts at telling everybody what we have instead of telling everybody what we can have. I'll say it again. We're experts. At telling everybody what we have instead of telling everybody what we can have. I've got this disease. I've got no business. I've got this pain. I got this problem. I got this crazy neighbor. I've got car problems. Always telling what we have instead of speaking what we can have. What did I tell you just a few moments ago? Before you ever get this, I get it. Yes. And I've stopped sowing to what I've got. And I'm sowing to what I can have. I've stopped sowing to what I've got. And I'm sowing to what I can have. Number three. We need to say what we pray instead of praying and then speaking something else. We need to say what we pray instead of praying and then speaking something else. Yeah. We do this all the time. People do this all the time. God's people do this all the time. They pray God's word. They pray God's will. And then when they're finished praying, they will go out and speak exactly the opposite of what they've just prayed. Wow. We need to learn to say what we pray. Because anything other than that is not faith. In our prayer, we pray for prosperity. And we talk about the price of gasoline, price of groceries, can't pay my bills. We pray for prosperity and then speak these things. The Word of God says that when you pray, believe what you receive and you shall have what you say. Yeah. You'll have what you say. If you stop Praying exactly opposite of what you just prayed. You pray for prosperity. What is prosperity? You're praying. It's kind of amazing. There's, this is for another message. But there's three prosperities. There's the prosperity spiritually. Then there's prosperity of the soul, and then there's prosperity of the body. All three of those concerning prosperity. Yes. If you understand that, that comes through words. If you believe, when you pray, if you believe, 
you receive, you'll have what you say. Have you ever noticed that it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth? Your soul is part of your mind. In order for your mind to be, you're never, you're never going to prosper. Never, 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 never. You're never going to prosper until your mind becomes renewed in God. Because the soul is an enemy of God's word. Hmm. Wow. Word of God says that when you believe that you receive, you shall have what you say. Well, when is prosperity going to come? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. From the time that you pray prosperity until the time that it comes, you better be sowing faith seeds along the way because if you're not, you're going to hinder that growth Amen until the harvest. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Yeah. You better be so in safety from the time that you pray until the time that it comes. So that the harvest shall be exceedingly and greatly above all that you'll ever think or say. And guess what? Seed time? You're going to be pushed all the way to harvest time. You're going to be pushed. The devil's going to be pushing you to say the wrong thing, to believe the wrong thing. He's going to push you and push you and push you. Amen. Until the very hour of deliverance. That's what happened to Joseph. Amen. All that time that he was in prison. He believed that the vision. He believed that what God gave to him. And the devil's going to push you to the very place, to the very hour, even to the very minute that it comes. When you pray, if you believe, you shall receive. That's the law of seed time and power. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, is prosperity his will? Yes. Is healing his will? Yes. Is deliverance his will? Is relationship his will? If Solomon, who was the richest man in all of the world, and God gave it to him, it's his will that you prosper. Why? Because poverty is of the curse. Poverty is of the curse. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we designed of him. Seed time, harvest time. Number four. When you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. 
when we are offended or when we're hurt, there's a tendency to revert back to the Old Testament. What do I mean by that? The Old Testament says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There's a tendency to revert back to that until we receive an apology. For some reason, we think that we deserve an apology from the individual who has offended us or hurt us. And yet I will guarantee you that nobody apologized to Jesus when he took all of our hurts and offenses, sicknesses, and sins. I'm sorry, Lord. And for some reason, we think that we deserve it. And if you don't forgive immediately when the offense comes or when the hurt comes, and I mean immediately, if you don't do that immediately, what it begins to do, that seed begins to affect you spiritually and physically. I don't know of any seed that grows faster than the seed of offense and the seed of hurt. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse 33. Luke 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <coughs> they parted his raiment and cast lots. Words of revelation and words of forgiveness and wisdom in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of it. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I will tell you, that's the easiest thing for you to say whenever you've been hurt, whenever you've been really offended, is to say, Father, if they really understood what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. Forgive them, and I forgive them. You know, I've said this many, many times, that when you forgive, you need to forgive or you need to forget, or you haven't forgave. That's not true. That's not true. Because down inside of you, inside your being, amen, you'll never forget it. It will become dull over a period of time, but you'll never forget it. There are things in my childhood that I've never forgotten. And even though I don't think about them and meditate them and ponder on them anymore, forgiveness has nothing to do with forgetting. Forgiveness is a supernatural act that you and the Holy Ghost and the Father and Jesus Christ join in together and the forgiveness is supernatural because it's not a natural act. Follow me? Father, forgive them, because if they really knew what they were doing, if they really understood that, they, that the relationship or what they're doing with their family or what they're doing with my family or what they're doing with their family, if they really understood what they were doing in the midst of this hurt or in the midst of this, they wouldn't do it because of the long-term effects that are going to linger and grow and grow and grow until there's a wall that you can't penetrate. If they really knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. Amen. 
our response should emulate his response. So when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have aught against anyone, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. There's a lot right there, and I'm not going to get into that because, yeah, just forgive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I have given to you today, I believe, is essence that will help you and will grow you and bring you to the very place that you as a child of God will begin to walk in the power and in the glory because this word, this word, he wants to reveal it to you so that you can walk in all the promises of God. Amen. Praise the Lamb of God. That your faith overcometh the world. That's what the Word of God says. That your faith overcometh the world. Praise the Lamb of God. Amen. Go to our website. Praise the Lamb of God. D.K. Grooms. I'm sorry. That's my Facebook page. Amen. Donald K. Grooms. Amen. Go to that as well and see what the Lord is doing. Go to our website, www.rocksolidtruth.com. Dot com and see what the Lord is doing. Praise the Lamb of God. I know that God will bless you. And we desire your prayers. If there's one person that has heard this broadcast today, I received word this morning that a lady, one of our feeding programs in Kim she had never been to church for 10 years. She got saved this morning. Yeah. So I praise God. Hallelujah. How glorious that is. Amen. The angels are rejoicing and she, amen, is now a child of the living God. Praise amen. the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. But if there's one person this morning that is hearing these words that I have spoken to you, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And the word of God says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he said that if you'll say that and if you'll believe that, you can come into relationship, intimate relationship with him. Amen? Amen. And when you say that prayer, amen, go to our website and Tell us that you've accepted the Lord. We want to rejoice with you, praise the Lamb of God. We want to rejoice with you, praise the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. It has been a wonderful day, and all of my friends, I see you on, on amen, that you're announcing yourselves. We thank God for you coming. I want you to know I love you. God loves you. And remember, Jesus is Lord. Go with God, and he will surely go with you.